So we're on the sixth miracle. Uh, well, it's the sixth miracle in John's Gospel. I don't know what it is in, in other ones. Have I got my clicker? We're going to try and do this. Which window press? That's just to make it easier for me as well as, as it's for you. So there's a healing of a man who was born blind. And we know the story. Roughly, we could do this in two minutes. But because it's me, you're not getting two minutes. So seeing the plight of this man, Jesus spat on the ground. He mixed some dirt with the spittle. He rubbed the mixture of mud on the man's eyes and told the man to go and wash in the pool of Siloam. And the man did as Jesus instructed. Now it's good that we sang that song, I heard the voice of Jesus say. So if I was doing another sermon, I would say to you this morning, when's the last time you heard Jesus say? What did he say to you? And what have you done with what he told you? So here's a man who just meets Jesus for the first time. Jesus tells him to go and do something, and Bob's your uncle. And the man goes and does it. Amazing. And yet sometimes we sit and argue. And God tells us to do so. Anyway, so the man went and he washed in the pool of Siloam. The man did as Jesus instructed and he could see. Miracle done and dusted. So thanks very much for coming. Do you know, but there's more than that. After the miracle, and this is an amazing thing, the blind man who had never met Jesus before, the blind man shows more spiritual discernment than the learned religious leaders. If you know the story, he is a, he is a pop at them. And that's what happened. Guys who had studied the word all their lives, who thought they were spiritual leaders away up here, and it turned out basically they knew diddly squat. And the man who had just been met Jesus knew it all. And these men had never seen or heard or experienced anyone who had ever opened the eyes of a man born blind. So the Pharisees' minds were made up wrongly on who Jesus was. But the blind man was never for being put off. And I hope when we're speaking for Jesus, we don't get put off. Because he had a go at the Pharisees and we'll come to that. So that's it in a nutshell. But here's another thing. That's Jesus meeting the guy there. Come on. Can you... <laughs> oh. So he said... The rabbi said, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Why well, tell you this, first of all, Jesus met the same man twice on the one day. He met him in the morning, and then he met him later on. So there was two meetings, the two men that resulted in two miracles. The two men was a blind man and Jesus and the miracle was the first miracle he received sight physically. And the second miracle was he received his sight spiritually. So if anybody ever asks you, this man had two miracles done to him, not just one. So we could say the first meeting resulted in him receiving physical sight and the second in him receiving spiritual sight. But the amazing thing is they met together. I want to say this to you as well. I believe every time we come into the house of God, it's a meeting of two people. 
you and God. I know we sit in a group, and there's quite a few of us here, but primarily you gather to meet with God. So that when we gather with God, we can sit and listen. So when we go out the door, we can sing that great song that the grandchildren know, I heard the voice of Jesus say. And all of us should go from meeting with God, knowing that we've met with God, and he should tell us something. Anyway, as Jesus walked through the streets, he met a man who was blind from birth. A meeting that was not by chance but happened by divine appointments. Do you believe in divine appointments? Of course we do. God puts people in a path at certain times of our life so that hopefully we can lead them to Jesus. So away we back. So the disciple says, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? So the disciples didn't know why he was blind, but Jesus knew the reason. And the blindness wasn't caused by anyone's sin. Because look at Jesus' reply. Oh, can you, see if I do that, can you press the button? That's fine, that's it. I'll let you know when it is, thanks. And that's what Jesus said. Neither this man's sin nor his parents' sin, but this has happened so that the work of God may be displayed in his life and basically what Jesus is saying to his disciples this man is blind for a reason and for a purpose and the purpose on that day was that the work of God might be revealed now I'm not saying for a minute that God causes blindness so that he can work in you and people could come but on this occasion he did and Jesus would heal him and show himself the next one Jesus would heal him Oh, get away further back, sorry. You might just might leave that. Jesus healed him to show him that he was the light of the world. And that's been mentioned already. And we could go through a big, big spiel on that, but we don't want to do that with you. Now, whether you and I are healed or not, we are still to proclaim the faithfulness of God. Because God sometimes can heal, and other times he might not. But he is God, and we need to let, let him be God himself. So Jesus proceeded to apply. Next. Next. There you are. See, you've got it running now. Next. Oh, next. There you go. Next. <laughs> we go through all these things. So Jesus spat on the ground. We know all that. And he made some mud with saliva and put it on the man's eyes. And he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. So he went and washed and came home seeing. And the blind man received his sight. Now you sit and you think about it. What is a spit and mud and water? And how can that cure? Because it's daft, isn't it? Because see if somebody spits on you, it's a terrible thing. If somebody throws mud at you, it's a terrible thing. And water, obviously, we need all that. So sometimes Jesus used the extraordinary to bring about his purposes and his will. So these two things were not very nice. They were unpleasant and they were salting, insulting the spit and the mud. But Jesus used them. And if I was taking this a step further, and I'm very careful, because you know me, I'm very careful how far I go with this. The mud is offensive and the spit is offensive. But Jesus used them 
effectively to bring about this guy's curing. In the outside world, the cross to many people is offensive. And yet, to others, it's in the plan and purpose of God, the cross was effective for our lives. And I'm just going a bit deeper to show I'm showing off, that's all. Lionel could probably take that a stage further, because he's a learned block. I just turned up and looked good. The gospel doesn't tell us why Jesus used this means. Sometimes we wonder, why didn't Jesus just say, you're healed? And most of the miracles, as far as I know, and most of the miracles, somebody had to do something. Somebody had to go somewhere. Remember the first miracle, Jesus turned the water into wine. The stewards had to go and fetch. If they hadn't fetched the, the, the jars, the miracle would never have taken place. And it's the same here. If that man hadn't had done what Jesus had asked him to do, the chances are he might not have been healed. But he says, go and wash in the pool of Siloam. And he had to show faith in the Lord's word by obedience. And then in the story, if your Bible's open, we know that he's healed, that the man goes home. It doesn't take long for the townspeople, for the neighbours to notice that the miracle has occurred. And I'd like to think that some of these people were kicking behind their curtains. When you get folk in your street like that, they stand behind your curtains to see what's going on. And maybe they were moving the curtains to see, oh, what's happening out there? Oh, there's that man, Jesus. So that's what happened. And some of them, next one. Next one. Sorry. That's that. We're at the right one now. His neighbours and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, isn't this the man who used to sit and beg? And some claimed that he was, and others says, no, he only looks like him. And people who had seen him on the road begging, some said it was him, and others were uncertain. So there's confusion. Next one. But he himself insisted, I am the man. And the man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me, go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed, and then I could see and then we read, next, when the Pharisees, you're supposed to go, boo. When the Pharisees learned that this miracle had taken place, man, they, they, they not only were confused, they were furious. Or if I use that Glasgow word, they were bealing. Do you know that? Oh, they were bealing. Jesus had given this man sight. And here's a problem for the Pharisees. Because they didn't believe Jesus was who he was, they couldn't accept what he'd done. Because if they accepted him, then they would be endorsing who Jesus was. And at the end of the day, they hated him. Terrible. And the fact that Jesus healed this man on a Sabbath gave them their opening. Um, And you can say, what what was he doing wrong on a Sabbath? If you check the old, old, Old Testament times, see, because he made mud, they were saying he was working. Am I right? Why no? You're shaking your head. You you know better than me, because you're learned. But that's what he did. They they, they accused him of working because he made mud. Daft, isn't it? The things that people come up with to speak against the Lord. And making the mud, Jesus had done unnecessary work on the Sabbath. So could this man not have stayed blind for another day? It's daft how people see things. Next one. This man, Jesus, is, is not from God, they said. He doesn't keep... The Sabbath. And, they might, and the others say, how can a sinner do such a miraculous sign? 
So there was a big, big division amongst them. And without hesitation, and quick as a flash, when the Pharisees asked him, who do you say he is? The man says he is a prophet. Is that there on that one? Some of the Jews did not believe that he had been blind next. So they called for his parents, who testified that indeed he was their son and he had been born blind. Some Pharisees questioned the man that had been healed by Jesus. And then, if you've got your Bibles open, they accused Jesus of being a sinner. And then the blind man next responded by this. Next. Whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. But one thing I do know, I was blind and now I see Can I just say to you, what a testimony that is. There's a lesson on this. I do not know, but one thing I do know. And we put a sign this morning, I do not know what lies ahead, but we know who holds the future. A lesson for all of us. You may know, no sorry, you may not know all there is to know about Jesus, but if you've met the Saviour, You can tell others about the change that he's made in your lives. And that's all that man is doing. He's telling them that Jesus came and Jesus changed them. And how could the man be a sinner if he could do these tremendous things? And there will be times in your life when people might ask you about the things about God or Jesus. And if you don't know the answer, you just say, I don't know. But be like the man who says, but what I do know is this. I once was lost, but now I see. I once was blind, but now I have spiritual sight. I once was dead in trespassing sins, but now I'm alive in Christ Jesus. I don't know, but one thing I do know. And can I say this to you? Know this morning that Jesus loves you, and Jesus cares for you, and Jesus has called you, and know that Jesus has changed you. Anyway, Don't get caught up in things that you don't know. Be content and happy in the things that you do. And then the Pharisees asked him a question. Next. What did he do to you and how did he open your eyes? So if I give you a piece of paper this morning, one of the questions I would have asked all of you is this. What did Jesus do to you? And the first one would be, he changed me. That's all it is. He changed me. He gave me spiritual sight. He lifted me out of darkness into his glorious light. So sometimes, and probably John's told you this before and Lionel and others, sometimes when you read God's word, you just kind of slow it down a wee bit. Just take wee bits at a time. What did he do to you? And the amazing thing is, he redeemed us. Amazing. And this infuriated him more. And he gets on to him and says, that's it. He replied, I've, to- I've told you already. I think the man's quite brave to go up against the Pharisees. I've to- Listen, you're not listening to the thing I've said to you. I've told you before, you're not listening. Why do you want to hear it again? What is your problem? I'm telling you, Jesus came, touched my eye, and made, I can see. Why? What, what, what is so hard about that? What is so hard about coming to Jesus and giving him your life? 
and people struggle with that as well. And yet, it's the most simplest of things to do. And he summoned a man who had been blind. He says, give glory to God. Have I got that there? And then he says, we don't even know where this man comes from. And it's just an amazing thing. I've put these things in red. There's probably three excuses here that the Pharisees are trying to let him know that such a miracle never took place. The first one is that they didn't believe he'd been blind. That's the first thing. And there's people out there today, and Lionel's prayed for the folk of peoples already, who don't know and don't believe they're blind to the things of God. So they don't believe they're blind. Therefore, if he hadn't been blind, how could they have received his sight? Because he had his sight all the time. They then said to him, give glory to God, we know that this man is a sinner. And basically they're suggesting that the man had been healed, not through Jesus, but through God and God alone. Not that Jesus was the agent that God used. And they thought that Jesus was just there fiddling about in the mud at the same time. And lastly, they couldn't know for sure what happened because they don't know where Jesus came from. And sometimes when you're talking to others about the things of God, they'll bring up all these excuses as to why, why they don't believe. And you be like the blind man. Just get hung in. Just get stuck in there. Don't take no for an answer and just keep... Pro- and that's what I'm saying. The real problem was that these leaders had drawn their conclusions before looking at the facts and looking at the evidence. And I've been in arguments, sorry, discussions with people about the things of God who have probably formed their own opinion and never read a Bible in their life. Have you met them? Yes, Jim, of course we have. All the time. So they had this conclusion in their mind, the Pharisees, and they wouldn't let the evidence speak for itself. And people outside use that today. Next one. The man who had been healed went on to testify about Jesus. In fact, they couldn't even shut him up. He refused to be swayed by these religious leaders. And he made three truths. Number one, a traumatic change had taken place. The man replied, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I know, I'm healed. Second thing, the change had taken place at the command of Jesus. And he replied to the Pharisee's statement, but as for his fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. And then the man answered, um, now that's remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. And we know that God doesn't listen to sinners. He listens to the godly man who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. So that's his second truth. And the third one. This change was of such a nature that it can only be explained as an act of God. And he's got it all. For a man who only met Christ once, he's not even saved yet. But he knows what happened in his life. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. Amazing. These words of truth certainly didn't go down well because if you've got your Bibles open, the Pharisees excommunicated the man from the next one and they replied, you were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out of the church. Imagine flinging somebody out of the church. Terrible. It's just one of these things. 
He was flung out of church because he took a stand for Christ. And that is counting the cost of following Jesus. This former beggar was cross-examined by the Pharisees as to what Jesus had done. The facts were indisputable. So the Pharisees then resorted to cast aspersions on the integrity of Jesus as a man of God. The, farmer, the, former, bogger, bogger, the former beggar found his discipleship costly. And we, like him, have to decide whether we want to count the cost of following our Lord. I just think it's an amazing story how the man stood up for Jesus. And just as this man encountered opposition, I'm sure you know that, you and I meet opposition as well. I mean, I've got a brother who hardly talks to me because I believe in Jesus. He does talk to me, but he says things like that. I don't have that relationship. And I've known loads of people like that. Maybe they're not, maybe not hurt physically or abused, but folk give you a, a, a wide berth. In fact, this is, Timothy says, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ will be persecuted. So the exclusion from the temple led the second meeting with Jesus. We read, when Jesus heard that they had thrown the man out, he went looking for him. And when Jesus found him, he did something greater than he'd done from the first time they met. Next one. Earlier in the day, Jesus healed this man physically. Now he's about to heal him spiritually and eternally. Jesus heard that they'd thrown him out and when he found him. I'll just cut the verse in two there. When he found him. Are you not glad this morning, if you're a Christian, that Jesus found you? I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I... Oh, you know all the answers. It's amazing. He went and he found him. Jesus heard that this man had been cast out by the Pharisees and Jesus cared enough that he took the time to search him out and when he found him, Jesus next asked him this important question, do you believe in the Son of Man or the Son of God, depending on your version? Is this not an invitation to salvation? What is hard about that? I've got a wee car mechanic, a friend of mine, he fixes cars, he's very good, he's cheap, that's the main thing. But he's got this way with people, if he, somebody comes to his garage to get his car fixed, he maybe's talking away, and just out of the blue he just says to them, do you go to church? That's all he asks them. And nobody's ever taken offence. He doesn't say, I'm a born again believer, you better believe in Jesus or you'll go to hell, blah, 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 blah. He just asks them politely, do you go to church? And the number of opens we Andy gets is just unbelievable. And that's all he's doing. Do you believe in the Son of Man? Who can take offence at that? Next one. And you know that belief in him is essential for salvation because you know whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So Jesus cared enough to give this blind man his sight. And I want you to know that this it's what Jesus not only did for that man, what he did for that man, he can also do to others today. So whatever you're going through, Jesus has the power to meet you at your point of need.
He can do many things in your life, but the greatest thing that he can do for you is to save our souls. Isn't that amazing? That's what he did for you. Even when he looked down and he saw you, he loved you. And he still sent Jesus to die for you. The Bible tells us that Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. And you may be interested to know that the sinners and the outcasts were the very people that Jesus reaches out to. In fact, this man was cast out by the religious leaders. But Jesus cared. And people may disregard you. People might even discard us. But we know that Jesus will never abandon us. And as I say this, if you don't know him as Lord and Saviour, then you put your faith in the one who came looking for you and accept the invitation to salvation. Nearly finished. Next. The man responded to this invitation with an important question. Who is the Son of Man? Next. Who is the Son of Man? It's a great question. And see if people could just grasp who he is and accept him for who he is. Life would be a lot better, sure it would. Do you remember Paul when he met, or Saul, he was known as them, when he met Christ for the first time? He says, who are you, Lord? And he got all that sorted out in his life and his whole life was changed. Who is this Jesus? And if you get that right, then we can build a faith. Next one. Who is he, sir? Tell me so that I may believe in him. Next one. And Jesus replied, you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. And that was all it took. Next one. And the man says, Lord, I believe. And then what? He worshipped him. First song John picked this morning was all about worshipping. We worship him. Just an amazing story. Early in the day, Jesus changed this man's life. Now he will change what we call his eternal destiny. Jesus revealed to this man that he was the son of God. And the man put his whole life and trust in him. He obeyed him. Next one. And he worshipped him. And true belief always involves not only commitment, but those who belong to him will have a desire to obey and to worship And just let me finish a couple of things. The man's knowledge of Jesus grew. Next one. The first time he met Jesus, he calls him a man. A man Jesus came. And then after that, the Pharisees, who is he? And he said, next. He's a prophet. And the time Jesus was finished with him, next. (laughs) He knew he'd be the son of God. And people like that. Who is Jesus? And once we get that right, we build our faith on him. And we get closer to him. And hopefully folk will give them their lives. Next one. This man who had been excluded by the religious leaders of the day, by the grace of God, is now included into the family of God. And that's the whole gist of our story. That Jesus came and saved them and included them into the very... Next one. That's the last one. Jesus is worthy of our praise because of all that he has done so go and read John chapter 9 at home just go through it very very gently I hope that's a few thoughts that you might have learned something new so it's been good with you and I'll just hand back to John thank you